Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web and his eyes catches these, just like flies, no doubt. Here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, but he's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead, hey there. There goes the Spider-Man. Episode 149 for August 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example for this episode is on the Spider-Man Complete Ben Riley Epic Volume 2. This one's huge. It's got 424 pages, and it collects Amazing Spider-Man number 407 to 408, Sensational Spider-Man number 1, Spec Spidey 230, Adjectiveless Spider-Man 64 and 65, and if that wasn't enough, it also has a bunch of miniseries. It has a Spider-Man Punisher Family Plot number 1 and 2, Web of Scarlet Spider 3 and 4, and Venom Along Came a Spider issue 1 to 4. The cover price for this big boy, 40 bucks. Mail order has it for just $24.79, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome back to our August anniversary show. This is uh, five years of this podcast and 13 years of the crawl space. We started back in 1998. And a guy that's been with me most of the years is Zach from SpideyDude.com. Hey! I got the website right, right? You got the website right. And I have a special special thing for, for both you and Bertone. Okay, what is that? I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> The Beatles singing as they say it's your birthday. Ah, awesome. So, thank you for joining us on the show, sir. We just got through two and a half hours of uh, live calling. We made it out alive. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to be hearing this one first, so it's kind of... Who knows? I don't know how I'm editing all these. Uh, Retcon! Retcon, <laughs> Retcon, yes. bomb. Oh, hey, look, bird. Uh, we also have Stella from Batgirl to Oracle, the podcast <laughs> website. Welcome, Stella. I'm just trying to figure out why we're doing intros again. This is a new 52, you know, for Crawl Space. You know, we're reintroducing, you know, Stella. And Stella has a Latin teacher. It was really hard for the kids to relate to. So now Stella is, you know, a wise-cracking Latin student, you know, with, you know, cool friends. Yes. Everything in the previous three hours still happened except for the stuff that didn't. And (laughs) Jr. Let me get to Jr. Then you two. Uh, Jr. from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, Jr. Hello. And uh, speaking of birthdays, I absolutely I have to give a shout out to my son Spencer, who, as we are uh, filming or filming this, as we are recording this, uh, he is celebrating his tenth birthday. Wow. So it's a, it's a big moment uh, this weekend for uh, for Spencer, and and actually in two weeks his sister will celebrate her seventeenth birthday. But since she's a teenager, I don't think much about her. So anyway. <laughs> wow. Now we have to talk. Did he get any Marvel related gifts? We know he has a Captain America cake. Well, he got a Captain America cake, but as far as the gifts, not yet. Uh, he got a uh, he. He got uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows 2 for the Wii. Um, he got uh, GoldenEye for the Wii because he's into a James Bond phase right now. And uh, he also got the DVD of Diary of a Wimpy Kid 2. Uh, however, he got some money from one of his grandmothers, and he is thinking of using it to pre-order Spider-Man Edge of Time down at GameStop. So, Very cool. 
There we go. There we go. What I wonder what the exclusive costume is at GameStop. I don't know. Well, I don't know because apparently since we're going to be getting it for the Wii, we won't get any exclusives like uh, oh, like the same with Shattered Dimensions. So, huh. All right. Well, happy birthday, Spencer. And we also have Josh Bertoni from uh, the front page of the Crawl Space and just put up a new <clears throat> Gwen, not a Gwen, a Betty hates fly. Be- oh Lord, Bertoni. <laughs> Tony hates Betty article. Hey Brad, what's Stella's petition for? <laughs> this, is a, this is just a flash forward to when I'm 70 years old doing this podcast. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey Brad, uh, what's the name of that one reviewer that clubbing fighters? You know, uh, form or something where you club different, you know, boxers. I don't know. I'm gonna get the rep that Jr. currently has. My goodness. <laughs> Anyway, Josh, thank you for filling in. We've got uh, Kevin and Bailey absent, so I called in my two pitch hitters. Cool. Pinch. My what? Pinch hitters. It's not pinch hitters? You said pitch. Oh. Sorry. Nitpick. Pinch you in the ass. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we have George Behrman from the Crawl Space Fight Club on the message board. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, diddly dee. What is that from? <laughs> the Lion King. It, it, it predates the Lion King, but yeah, that's it what predates the, yeah, by considerably. Have but. mercy. All right, we've got a ton of spider news. Uh, we're going to start off with a fun one. I don't know if it's fun, but it's. Uh, I found it interesting. The uh, Amazing Spider-Man number six sixty six. It had a special incentive. Uh, for comic retailers, if they increased their normal orders by 150%, then they could get a picture of whatever they wanted on the cover of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, this this uh, store by the name of Heroes Comics and Cards in Connecticut, uh, the store owner Dave Krueski, uh, normally orders about 40 copies of Amazing Spider-Man a month. So he had to order 600 issues of Spider-Man in order to get his kid's picture. His kid's name's Ben on the front of the Amazing Spider-Man comic. So what do you guys think of this promotion? I'm trying to do the math to figure out how much money he spent. I know. Not only did you have to increase your orders 150%, you also had to order 500 additional copies of the variant to sell in your store. This sounds like a book that's really doing well all on its own. (laughs) And the numbers have come out. It is the number one selling book for that month. Of course it is. Well, like anybody was surprised. Really? Now, I guess here's the question. Is it a bad promotion? Because Marvel sold a lot of books. Okay. Uh, is it harmful to retailers? Those are some yes. topics. Yes. Go ahead, George. Why, we'll get, hit it. Because they're having to buy all these additional copies of a book that they will not sell and that they cannot return back to the retailer anymore because Marvel ended that program about almost a decade ago. Okay. So, yes, they're, they're having to order this, and then all they're going to do is they're going to try to recoup their losses and make a little more money by selling the variant online. Yeah. Because you know? there's, there's now like 150 variants now of Amazing Spider-Man. And it's, and it's going to be harder for them to do because, I mean, if I'm sitting, you know, if I'm a Spider-Man collector, you know, and I'm over here in Ohio and I'm wanting a copy of something, well, I'm going to have to go to eBay and find one from a shop in Florida. 
oh, it's the shopping floor, you know, unless I happen to get the one at my store. And really, I don't, I, I don't, I can't name any stores around here. I really give two, you know, that many craps about that I'd want one. You know what I mean? Right. However, so, Marvel made a ton of money. It's the number one selling book. Can you fault them for that? It's not, well, okay. that's the only way they can make money off of uh, Amazing Spider-Man anymore, Brad. They have to do gimmicks. Every issue's now got, what, five variant covers? Yeah, well, can, can I jump in on this? Hit it. Okay, the numbers that we get are the numbers from Diamond. Okay? They're not the numbers that actually sell. They're the numbers that were bought, number of issues that were bought by the retailers through Diamond. Okay? It was the most requested book, right? Well, in this case, it's not the most requested book. It's probably the 15th most requested book. Because of this variant nonsense, it, it shoots it up to number one. Yeah. All right, it, it wasn't requested because of you know interest in the book. It was requested because retail, some retailers, certain retailers, the, the big dad retailers. wants to put his kid on the front of Amazing Spider-Man, exactly. which you can't fault them for that. Yeah, but I understand it's kind of a neat thing. Oh, I was on, I was on the cover of Amazing Spider-Man, but you can't you can't really expect this to be a good thing. It's you're going to have a bunch of you're going to pretty much have to get, beg people to take, hey, take this book off my hands five years down the road when you still got copies of Amazing Spider-Man 666. Yeah. Brandon, Josh, is there any way to do the math on this? How much uh, did you guys spend? Well, I don't know if, like, when you order these things directly from Diamond, if, like, because I don't know how it works on the retail sense, like, if they pay cover price or... I think they get 50 to 60% off the cover yeah, price. Yeah, they're not paying. They're not paying cover price. None of the retailers are paying cover price. They're all paying. I think they're... I mean, I mean, it, out, it, it, the store could take a big bath on it, and it's like, here, son, you're on the cover of Amazing. Awesome, cool. Now we're going to go live in the homeless shelter. <laughs> What's your two cents, though, Josh? I just, I hope that it's a good economic investment. That's all. It's, you know, it's uh, good for Marvel for, you know, making money on Amazing, but if the shop owners who are ordering all these can't sell them, like I said, you know, it's... I hope it just isn't a big financial loss for them. Let's, uh, Jr. What's your two cents? Well, I I normally despise Marvel's gimmicks, to be honest, uh, and their variants. Uh, although if I'd had the money, to be honest, I would have done this in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would. I would have. I'd have. I'd have placed an order for hundreds of comics or whatever to to get my son's picture on it. Uh, you know, as a person, you know, I mean, you know, I, I would have done something like that, but, uh, you know, but normally I, I loathe these gimmicks. And, yeah, I don't know how in the world, like everybody else has said, how in the world these retailers, I mean, they're choked with this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, they they certainly haven't been done any favors. So, but then well, again, uh, Marvel never really cared about doing them any favors and never has. No, no, so. no. no. It, it, without taking away my guess of 50 to 60 percent off cover. Uh, if if uh, this retailer in uh, Connecticut, if he paid cover price three ninety nine times six hundred issues, it would be two thousand three hundred ninety four dollars. He probably paid a lot less, but a couple grand at least. Yeah, they, 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 get a, they get a ridiculous cost cut on but, whenever they're buying stuff. But if he's in a grand for one book, if it's that low, that could <clears> break a store. If I if I was if I was have if I had owned a store. I would tell people that if they want themselves on the variant cover, they're going to have to to pay the amount that I would normally that I would take that I would take a bath on. Mm-hmm. So if it's you know whatever it comes out to like six hundred seven hundred dollars basically to get them a variant cover, they're going to have to pay it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to take a bath. I'm not going to 
have 700,000 copies of a crappy Amazing Spider-Man comic in my quarter bin. <laughs> you know, because I, they I wanted to say that picture it, it wasn't something. a bad issue to to do this with because I, I I thought it was a particularly strong issue. I know George hates the Clone Saga and everything, but uh, yeah, this is no different than the Obama variant. It's just a giant stunt, and uh, I know I know Joe Casada has a has a uh, problem with that word, but yeah, it's, it's a Stella. We haven't heard your two cents on the topic. Um, it's it's a lot of money, and and I agree. That uh, with George, that they're going to be losing it. But I guess it shows your love. I mean, I could imagine somebody you using this opportunity to to say something like, "Will you marry me, Heather Glenn?" And uh, (laughs) (laughs) on that cover. So Um, they also, since it was so successful, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number six sixty nine has the opportunity to put your face on the cover. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think they've upped the number even more additional that they have to order. Yeah. Is it like 5,000 issues or something? <laughs> something like that, or, yeah. Or 1,000? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is going to be a trend. I mean, it's very successful from the first well, it's, go through. If you order 10,000 copies, Spider-Man will prank call your mom. It's, it's going to hurt the retailers, but if the retailers are the ones that are ordering it, the, re- the retailers have no one to blame but themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Can I can I make a statement? Yep. With this whole face on the cover. Yeah. I can go up to Todd Knock at San Diego Comic Con, and he can do the exact same thing for twenty, forty bucks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he can. So, he can get that blank variant cover or whatever it is. Exactly. So why would I sit there and be a retailer and shell this out if if I'm a retailer that decides to go to San Diego or some con that he's going to be at? Really? I'm just saying. Well, they they have those uh, things where you can like make a book for your kid and like you know they just like have the child's name and the child's gender like you know blank and like you pay money and it's like your kid having an adventure with Spider Man or Wonder Woman like you guys have seen those things right? Yeah, yeah. I had there's I had the, one when I was a kid videos too I think I had one of those when I was a kid it was me and uh, me and my grandfather as bears going fishing. I had one where a magic dreidel taught me the story of Hanukkah. It's uh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you, I made out, you of out of clay. I mean, this is basically like that, only more expensive. Like, it's not like you know you're actually in the real book that everyone's going to be reading. You're just on a cover that you're getting. Now the question is, did Marvel do anything wrong? Because they're making money. It's not like they hid anything. It's not no. like they're not doing anything wrong. I mean, they're just putting it out there. But what it, what them putting this out there tells me is that. As much as they love to crow about you know Amazing Spider-Man being up in the up in the you know the top twenty or whatever, they're really not doing so well with Amazing Spider-Man. If if so, they wouldn't have to have five variants for every other damn book, and they wouldn't have to be using gimmicky covers like this to try to make money off of it. Um, um, another retailer thing, keeping along with the theme, this is our other topic: is uh, Marvel has said to retailers. For every 50 covers that you strip, you rip the cover off of a comic book and you mail it back to Marvel, they will give you a special variant of Fear Itself number 6. And the the comics that didn't sell are a bunch of Flashpoint DC books, like Green Lantern, Batman Knights of Vengeance, um, Kid Flash, Project Superman. All those books Marvel will take back, and you can get a variant where you could sell it for, I guess, I don't know how much a variant costs, 50, 100 bucks, whatever. What do you think of Marvel 
taking in unsold DC books. Stella, you hit that one up first. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, just like I hate when when we're in the debates or politics and stuff and they're like personal attacks and they don't focus on their own stance and have to focus on something else. Um, I just don't like comic companies kind of attacking each other in this manner. I think it's childish. If people, I don't know. I just, why? Why, why are they doing this? What, what is the point? Because they're in competition. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, because they were desperate to get into the news because they're not rebooting their universe. That's true. That's true. George, take take it further. What do you think of this? Uh, well, you know, it's kind of a ballsy move. An even ballsier move would be telling retailers that they can send back uh, whatever Marvel books they haven't sold. But they don't do that, so that tells you a lot more, doesn't it? <laughs> you know? Because they ended that, like I said they, earlier, they ended that a long time ago. No, it's... It's ridiculous. I mean, on the one hand, you know, I'd like to say if I was DC, you know, uh, put out something, hey, send us all your Marvel Wraith comics, and we'll send you a variant <laughs> of something. Nice. But, nice. you know, I, all it is, again, it's like desperation for Marvel. It's like they're desperate to try to get into the news somehow in the wake of, you know, DC's, you know, DC sucking the air out of the room for three months. Yeah. You know, and but I mean, everything they're doing is classless, but that's today's Marvel. Uh, Bertone thoughts well maybe um dc will say hey you know you want some more of these new 52s uh you want some special new 52 variants return your uh amazing 666s <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice. but they can't take the kind of loss because that would be a lot <laughs> uh jr what do you think ripping up the dc covers i don't have an opinion because i don't care you don't care zach two cents dc what hmm Huh? You know what? He and Brad didn't Wacker one time get on to me in one of those long ass um, discussion threads on the main page about the. Remember when I, remember when I, I took out the uh, the brand new day pages out of that one issue of Amazing Spider-Man yep. Family and I mailed them back, and, and he said I tore them up or whatever. I actually had pictures of me showing, you know, show. I folded them neatly. Yeah. I removed them, folded them neatly, and put them in an envelope to show them the printing error. <laughs> and 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 now that now they're doing this where it's like, oh, tear the cover off. Right. Oh, yeah. Here, let's deface, deface this thing that you know that Wacker was telling me I was for. I think that's a standard uh, book thing. It, it is. It is. But yeah. still, it's a, it's a defacement. Right. Hey, George. I think that that particular instance made you legendary in the Marvel offices. That's because you're the boogeyman. Remember? <laughs> I'm the no. I'm the I'm the tough bully or whatever. Wacker <laughs> before we banned him. Yeah. All right. Any other words on that topic before we move on? Okay. Uh, at San Diego, uh, we're going to hit some San Diego news. Uh, we'll start with Zach on this one. The burning hoodie. <laughs> we have an image. The only bit of news that came from that spider panel is about the an image of Ben Riley's costume on fire with the hoodie. What do you think of that? Well, I was, you know, I about crapped my pants, first of all, when I first saw it. Um and I loved when we were doing the live blog, people were submitting in, oh, my God, did George actually get a Zippo lighter and throw it on the hoodie? <laughs> oh, people were writing that in on the front page? Yeah, they were writing that in the front page. You're uh, so lucky, George. <laughs> Read your website, Brad. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> uh, so Man, I, I've been hitting the Tic Tacs more than anybody this show. <laughs> hey, 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 Brad, welcome to yeah. my world. You what? Welcome to my world. 
Um, doubt. Stella, stop picking on you. She's picking on me now. <laughs> okay, for the record, let let it be shown. Uh, she stopped picking on me about a year after she came on the show. So, and occasionally she'll get a couple of body blows in, but yeah. it's fine. Anyway, hey, but burning hoodie, burning hoodie, ADD. Um, I loved uh, the fact that what you know. Some people are like, "Whacker ball face lie to your face." Um, <laughs> you're not bringing it back. Um, according to a uh, an interview that was conducted, this is going to be a mini series, maybe. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. What uh, allegedly. Allegedly, this is a alleg- Yeah, <laughs> we have to put in there. It may be a mini series. Although, Josh, you were kind of right when uh, ever you said Flash Thompson getting in the Venom symbiote last year at San Diego. Dan Slott was like, oh, he figured it out, oh God. Change the subject immediately, I love that. Yes, <laughs> but he, he, he walked right into that one, though. This is true. Um, but I'm, so what I'm, what I'm, are we doing with Hardy? Is Ben Riley coming back, or do we have another character? Well, what, I've what, said what this a couple of times, and I'll say it again. I think Ben Riley's going to come back as a villain. Um, okay. Just the way, it was, the way things were done in 666 kind of makes me believe that. Uh, for Tony, what are your thoughts? I, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say what I said on the Crawl Space uh, Reporter Show, just because I know that, I know that uh, I'll get a big reaction from George from this. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Sp- Spider Island hashtag is happening right now, and some people are having spider powers. You know, people like Carly Cooper. Carly Cooper keeps, you know, her uh, powers. You know, she's going to need a new identity. So then it's like two of the things that George hates roll into one, Carly Cooper and hoodies. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe... Uh, Maybe Carly's the new Scarlet Spider. Uh, in in all seriousness, no, I think that they've realized because of these clone trades and because of the stuff that happened in 2009 that Ben Riley does have a fan base that they can, you know, that they can use once in a while to tell some stories. I don't think that they're actually going to bring Ben back. I think it's going to be something like in 2009 where they'll they'll play on Ben's memory. Like Peter will be like, he'll find something in the attic and be like, "Whoa, Ben never told me about this. I wonder what kind of crazy adventure Ben had years ago." Um, mm-hmm. I have to listen back to the interview that Don and I did with Wacker, but when we asked about, you know, will there be any more miniseries for supporting characters like they did with uh, Osborne and uh, Black Cat and Anti-Venom, he said, well, you know, you saw the teaser uh, for the Burning Hoodie, and I, I have to listen back to see if that's exactly what he said, but I think that that's confirmation that this might be a miniseries, so it might be a you flashback know, miniseries or something. You know, you just named three horrible miniseries, Osborne, Black Cat... What was the other one? Anti-Venom? Yeah. I'm a Spider-Man fan, and those were atrocious. Those were all really, really bad. I, I hope the Ben Riley one is not. I mean, what we haven't... Astonishing Spider-Man was the first one in a, in a long time that wasn't suck. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Did anybody like those miniseries? I know, JR, you, you didn't like the Osborne one, neither did I. No. Most yeah. miniseries aren't very good. That's the problem. They're horrible, and they're three ninety nine to pop. Anyway, oh god! Well, they got to recoup their money anyway because nobody wants to buy them because they've had this reputation of sucking. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, George, burning hoodie. What is your two cents? Um, well, th- I've got a, a few thoughts. Number one, stupid hoodie is stupid. Number two, <laughs> um, I'm going to disagree with Bertoni saying that they've suddenly discovered that they have a clone fan base. They've known this for a long time. It's why they've 
It's why they've teased them and let them down consistently for several years now. Um, they, their interest in this book is bottomed out, and they're trying anything to try to gen interest up in this book, even to the point of continually teasing fans of the Clone Saga to try to get them to come back and give things a second chance. They will not bring Ben Miley back. This is still Quesada's regime, even though he's been bumped up. Uh, this is filled with people who, you know, the clone is a dirty word except for the money they can make off the clone fans without actually putting the clone back into the books. Um, I, so I don't know if they'll do it as a swerve. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do another clone saga mini because the other one underperformed. You know? Yeah, that's true. And, and, and so I can't see them taking, you know, that, uh, another kind of risk on another thing that underperformed. So I don't know. I, I think it's probably more right to say that they'll bring back the Scarlet Spider or. They'll put somebody else in the stupid hoodie, probably a stupid character, maybe Carly, maybe that uh, Finn guy, whoever. Finn Gonzalez. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll take some lame character that nobody's going to care about when it gets killed off. What about the possibility of Mary Jane having spider powers? Oh, you know, I I don't put it past them anyway because, like I said, I, I, I think they're desperate. Yeah. I, I think they're flat out desperate. I it, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh JR Burning Hoodie. Hard to say with any any of Marvel stunts. I tend to follow on the side that says that this will be a a new person as the uh, Scarlet Spider. That um that's probably part of why this Spider Island thing is being being done to give somebody spider powers so they can be the Scarlet Spider and and do this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they can't, you know, I mean, after all, any other spider-themed characters that have had their own book over the years, like Spider-Woman and, uh, see, what, Spider-Woman, how many, one, two, and three, and uh, let's see here, Aranya, Spider-Girl, you know, that was a big success, lasting all those eight issues, so, <laughs> let's, well, so you know, it makes sense, just give another person spider powers and, and give them a name, and, and we'll we'll see what sells, and I guess maybe they're going with the Scarlet Spider because they think, they think that will sell copies. I don't know, but I don't think hey, it's banned. I got an idea. Let's uh, let's put a Ranya girl in there, and that way she can you know screw with you know four legacies in one character. You know that might not be that far off. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe I just said that, and I can't believe that, that people are. That far, that's not a bad idea. To <sighs> huh. hell with that! I will. I refuse. <laughs> no. Get me Axel Alonso. And Stella, we haven't heard from you about. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, it's not been confirmed, but if it happens, I am looking forward to a Stephanie Brown miniseries. So, um, <laughs> no, what you know, something that She's no one's got to have some identity. <laughs> I know, right? Um, no one's really even talked about the symbol of you know a hoodie being burned, which is kind of interesting. I mean, what does that even mean? Um, that hoodie so, sucks. Or, yeah, I mean, or just kind of getting away from that identity. So it may not be Scarlet Spider at all, but kind of someone moving on from that identity and taking up something new. But, um, I mean, I probably will not pick it up. You know, I've been disappointed by the uh, Spider-Man comics thus far. So, Mm -hmm. who knows? Okay. All right. Any other thoughts on burning hoodies? We're all talking about it for nothing because when the book actually happens, it's going to be Peter and Mary Jane like clearing out the attic and like, oh, Ben's old costume, let's burn this, and it'll be over in three panels. <laughs> uh, another thing that was premiered at uh, San Diego was the new Spider- Amazing Spider-Man movie trailer. <laughs> 
Uh, that leaked the week before, but hey, it was premiered. Well, there you go. Uh, how's that SpideyDude.com website? Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Five years ago, uh, I was I was just fixing to move out and fixing to start school, and Spider.com was fixing to be up, and uh, pretty much all those three things are happening now five years later. So it's cyclical. I'm just giving it's shit. down more than a tie hooker, son. <laughs> Not that you would go on the website anyway, because you're like, I hate the hoodie. Ah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, where were we? Oh, um, insulting Zach. <sighs> Anyway, it's not uh, an anniversary it, show if we don't insult Zach. I know. <laughs> Andrew Garfield basically it's the the trailer starts with uh, Peter's dad saying we're going away, son, and you see Martin Sheen and and Sally Field and Forrest Gump and uh, Burt Reynolds <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, basically he gets bit by the spider and uh, has webbing come out of his back for some reason. I don't understand that. Um. What else was it? It came out of the actual spider bite. Yeah, why did he get that on the back of the neck? What's that about? Switching yeah, because, because he's extreme and emo and he skateboards. Yeah. Alright. George, thoughts on the on the trailer? Uh, it's stupid. I, I I've got absolutely no desire to see this. I, I probably will not see I I'll watch it on Netflix maybe when it's free or until it pisses me off. Um <laughs> seriously, I mean it's just our, our Spider-Man is a six-foot, thirty-year-old guy being, <laughs> being, high school. A, being a high school kid, you know, um, with the uh, with the whole fingerless gloves, which we've covered, and you know, he's skateboarding, and he's doing all these extreme things. Oh, and he's emo. I think he sparkled a little bit in the trailer. Um, he sparkled. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just I I don't know. I we don't need a new origin story. It's only been a decade. Yeah. We do not need a new origin story. The that, only aspect that looks interesting is the exploration of his parents. Not, it's not interesting enough that I need the origin a second time. It's true. You know, and it, no, I just, ugh, no, no. Uh, JR, reaction to the trailer? Well, I, I was just very, very underwhelmed by the trailer. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to, I, I, I'm not going to extrapolate my feelings about the trailer into how I feel the movie may or may not be. I'll, I'll try to evaluate the movie on its own merits because I will see it because my, Spencer will want to see it. So I'll be seeing it. But I like my superhero trailers to have a certain, I mean, I like them to make me want to see the movie, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 like I'm thinking Spider-Man, there's a certain loudness and colorness and cheesiness to the whole superhero mythology that attracts me to it. Um, it, you know, the moody, brooding, you know, like Superman now is going to be brooding. Um, in fact, I was going to, I was going to start out the podcast by saying I was try, going to try to be younger, so I was just going to sit around and brood because apparently yeah, you, that's... You had your face full of cake. You couldn't pull that off. Yeah, I had my face full of cake. I couldn't do it. But it's like all 20-somethings <laughs> just sit and brood. And I don't even know what brooding means, you know? I mean, they just brood. And, you know, the said Ultimate Spider-Man. He wasn't going to be as much of a nerd as it was a brooding kid. But... This was kind of depressing. I mean, I, I like the way the Spider-Man 1 trailer ended where Aunt May says, you know, you do too much. You're not Superman, you know. And then Tobey yep. Maguire gives her that look and, you, you know, and it's like, yeah, I want to see that. And then when Spider-Man 2, that, that trailer where you where the camera, you know, 
know, pulls away and it, it pulls away from like Doc Ock's glasses and you get your first look at Alfred Molina as Doc Ock and then he turns around and scales the building and you say, oh man, I want to see that. And, you know, and, and even when you see the black costume the first time or when yeah. you, see, yeah. you see Topher become Venom, which, you know, again, regardless of what Spider-Man, you go, man, I want to see that movie. Uh, this is just kind of like what distinguishes it from you know what is it Twilight is that what they're trying is that the no, the yes. yes. the Twilight vibe I mean nothing again uh, like I said some of it is like how I like my superheroes and this wasn't how I like my superheroes well you know how you say I want to see that I want to see that I think with this trailer I've seen that the mo- the origin well you know I've seen it. Well, yeah, you've seen it, but I don't want to see a, a, a miserable, brooding Peter Parker. Now, from what I hear of other scenes that people are seeing, that's not reflective of how some of the movie is. Apparently, he is, in costume, quite the wise-ass that we, we all That'd wanted nice. Tobey Maguire, and he, and he never was, which is why I'm trying to keep the movie and the trailer separate. But the, but the trailer is showing none of that. I mean, if this is going to be a fun, wisecracking, smart-ass Spider-Man, that's not in this trailer. You know, and and why they're not showing that, um, you know, why the, why they're they're giving us this this dark, depressing, you know, thing that makes you want to slit your wrist before you go see in the movie. I don't know. So, will he be shorter in the costume? <laughs> I I did enjoy the web uh, the web slinging point of view. Did you guys like that? I yeah, the that. Sam Raimi inspired yeah. point of view. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it's a cheat to, so that they don't have to like actually show that horrible costume or spend any money. Well, they're not even doing CGI, so so I was about to say they're spending money on CGI, but apparently they're not even doing that. And I saw some other site where they ripped it off frame by frame from a video game. <laughs> what is it called? Edge of something. Edge of Edge I don't of know. Time. Something like that. Yeah. What's the new and video? Somebody somebody out? like held it out, like showed that trailer, like um. Like pan, almost panel for panel or shot for shot compared to this video game thing, it was like the exact same thing. Wow. Yeah. Can can I can I make a couple of statements about this trailer? Yep. Let me, let me hit this up. Um, first of all, whenever Peter's like writing and everything like that, it makes me think that he's going to pull out an Uzi and start shooting everybody in the school. So, um, because that's that's Peter Parker, right? He's he's he's, and, and the other thing, I, I watched the San Diego panel, and you got Mark Webb saying, well, he's very uh, punk rockish. When the hell has Peter Parker been punk rockish? Anybody tell me when that happened? Other than the Ramones reference, I don't get it. Okay? So... About the same time he started skateboarding, which he probably yeah, exactly. will in comic books now. He, he was the inspiration for Rocket Racer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Really? Come Is on. Is there anything man. that anybody liked about the trailer? I, I liked the trailer. Yeah, I feel bad. I liked I liked the trailer. It's um, I don't like that we're doing the origin again. I mean, but I mean, when it comes to movies, I'm not super super hard to please, and it's Spider Man, and I'm a Spider Man fan, so I'm seeing it the first day regardless. You know, whether it sucks or not. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I like the web slinging thing, uh, you know, rip off or not. It, it it looked cool, and you know, I don't know how many times we've really seen like a Spider-Man POV. Like in in the POV, I mean, in in the Raimi movies, I don't think they ever did his point of view when you did the web slinging. It was mostly the camera panned on him. So, I, I hope that I hope that they do some new stuff though, because otherwise, I don't want to see uh, the origin taking up the first third or the first half of the movie. I'm hoping that they like get it over with fast. Yep. Uh, Stella, you said you liked the trailer? Yeah, I also liked it. You know, up to now, I, I was definitely on the same page as 
George and, and JR that I didn't really like the fact that they were doing all of this over again. But then I actually became excited once I saw the the trailer. And I'm on, you know, I feel the same way as Josh and Don do, that they're, you know, doing the origin, so why? But um, it just looks exciting to me using Gwen Stacy, which is a different direction. And from images I've seen from Entertainment Weekly, it seems that Gwen kind of finds out about him and his identity. So I'm wondering how that will play off. But... I don't know. I, I'm i going to reserve, of course, final judgment until I actually see it. But again, you know, this is Spider-Man. I love him. So I'm excited. I'll be buying, you know, the tickets for the midnight show and I'll be there. Yeah. As someone who likes Twilight, as a Twilight fan, did you get a Twilight kind of vibe from it? No. No? Okay. Hmm. What do you think of uh, Gwen knowing? Anybody? I don't know if she necessarily knows. I mean, I... I... Well, she's helping him with wounds. Well, well, then, yeah. well, then basically, because there's this anti-MJ bias at Marvel, let's push Gwen Stacy into the role of Mary Jane in the Ultimate Universe and have her know that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. It, uh, why don't we call it Ultimate Spider-Man? Why do we have to call it Amazing Spider-Man? I, there's so much I hate about this movie right because now. Because Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man is a poor brand now. Well, and, if you're going to do a modern day superhero movie, like nine out of ten times the girlfriend will know who the hero's identity is like did they well yeah but i mean like it's it makes more <laughs> sense in a modern movie like you know you can't do it's i i, I don't know that many like recent super like even in um the green lantern movie like his girlfriend figured out in like what four seconds actually that was my, like one of the few parts of the green lantern i liked yeah, that, that that part was funny. Because I was expecting her to say, like, to not know who it was, and I was like, oh, God, this is going to make this even stupider than it already is right now. And then when she noticed, I was like, okay, you're not entirely stupid, you're just dumb. And That's talk a bit about the uh, the Gwen scientist working with um, the lizard. <laughs> Lol. Is, is she, <laughs> she's working at Oscorp. Is she oh, work- I thought you – is the lizard working at Oscorp, too? Yeah. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, but meanwhile, he's out beating women and stuff like that, too. So. Or, or eating yeah. his <laughs> shoving girls. security guards <laughs> and, and uh, cr- uh, condemning the USA and saying he hates it and never wants to come back. You know what's funny? We'll, we'll see I him got... on a lot of press tours in the next year. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the first, thing, the first thing people ask me since I got back from San Diego has been like, so did you see the guy get arrested? No, I did not see the guy get arrested. Nobody saw the guy get arrested, actually, out of our group. I kind of wish we would have been there now, because that would have been great. Yeah, we we could have waited, you know, ten hours to, like, you know, sit in the back of the room and, like, not see anything unless it was on a Jumbotron. Hey. Any other thoughts on the trailer? It sucks. <laughs> hey, hey, Brad, I absolutely yeah. this trailer. Absolutely. You won? What, Zach? I'm really excited about Tom Hardy playing Bane in a new spider I really love this trailer. It's great. It's the, it's the best trailer ever. And Anne Halfway playing Betty Brands. Wow. All right. The other bit of spider news is if you didn't hear, Marvel leaked a day before. That sounds bad. Marvel leaked. Marvel <laughs> leaked the information uh, to USA Today and other media outlets that uh, the new Ultimate Spider-Man's identity is called Miles Morales. He's a half Hispanic, half black uh, 
uh, kid, I guess, I guess 13, or a young kid is what I've been told. Didn't know what you remember, Tony? They said 13 at uh, one of the articles. 13. Yeah. Thir- 13 years old, taking up the mantle of Ultimate Spider-Man, who was recently killed. Uh, and Glenn Beck says he's also gay. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from. Glenn Beck made a joke. Okay. Well, God, can everybody okay, no, drop no, no. that? Okay, no, stop, stop, stop. You know where that gay thing comes from? Where does it come from? Okay, you know, I don't want to step in on people hating Ben Gleck, you know, or Glenn Beck, pardon me, Ben Gleck, whatever. <laughs> ben Gleck. <laughs> but that comes from a Daily Mail article. It's a UK paper, and they got it um, while talking about, or they they actually quoted uh, the artist Pacelli. Yeah. Who said that? And she made a comment that said, you know, I'd like to live in a world where black characters. You know, or whatever um, could be accepted, even even ones that were gay, and so it made them. You know, that's why they it made a better lead and could be gay because she wasn't. She mentioned gay and didn't like rule it out for the future. So that's where that's where everybody's getting that one comment from. Okay, Glenn Beck didn't go out and say Spider-Man's gay. He was getting that from a Daily Mail article. Okay, so all right. that's that's where all that's coming from. Now that being said. Once, mm-hmm. once, once the sales bump is over from this, from this reboot, from this first thing, look for this guy to become gay. Probably <laughs> a six months, twelve years down, or twelve years, six to twelve months down the line, and then it won't even happen in the comic. You'll you'll hear about it from CNN first, mm. or yeah. or USA Today, or whatever else. Thoughts on uh, Miles Morales, George? They tried to shoehorn how many demographics into this guy? He's a he's a thirteen year old uh, half. Half black guy, half Mexican guy. Um, Thank you, George, because I was sitting there talking with this with Don w- one night, and I'm like, it's kind of random that they throw in the half Latino. Like, really? It's because they wanted to cover as many demographics as they could. And that's, this is why I'm saying don't be surprised if this guy does wind up being gay. Absolutely don't be surprised by it. Um, Butters 9-11. I even made a joke in there. I think I said in one of the threads, I was like, I'm, sh- I'm shocked and a little insulted that they didn't make him transgender, too. Um, but no, I mean, and the thing, you know, they're taking flag because they're like, well, he looks like Obama. I'm sorry. I, I think he kind of does. He's got a, a face that sort of angles forward like Obama's. It's a little narrower. Uh, it looks like his ears are going to pop out as soon as he takes off the, uh, off the mask. You know, I can kind of see it. And I don't think that if Marvel did that, that that's any sort of accident. You know, I mean, I think that they're trying to appeal to as many people as they can. What's wrong with appealing to a big, big audience? It's pandering. It's, it, if it's done in story... Then it's fine. I mean, it, and like I said, you know, earlier, if if they had introduced this kid into Spider-Man like a year ago, two years ago, you know what I mean? To to, to it would make more sense of a transition afterward. As Donovan said in his article on the front page, it's a alternate universe Spider-Man. Why are, are people so upset? Well, that's you know, it's I, I think people are uh, I think people are are that are getting upset. I think there are some people that are taking the reaction to it, you know, worse than it's meant to be. And I, I think it's on both sides. It's like everybody's taking the other side worse than what the other side's actually saying. Does that make sense? I like what you said earlier when we started the show about if it was really gutsy, why didn't they do it with the 616 Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just saying, you know, if, if, 
if Marvel really wanted to make a statement about diversity, why didn't they do this with Peter with uh, Amazing Spider-Man? How come Peter Parker can't die in Amazing Spider-Man getting replaced by uh, The thing by... is, a lot of the mainstream media don't know that there's... It's hard to explain to the average Joe what the Ultimate Universe is and what 616 is. That's why Marvel likes that, Brad, because Marvel yeah. can put that press thing out saying Spider... They know that the media is not going to care about Ultimate Spider-Man or parallel universes. The media is going to go for Spider-Man half black, half Mexican, and possibly gay. Yeah. <laughs> seriously? No, seriously, Brad? No, no, no. It's it's very headline sexy. I mean, You're a newsman. Yeah. You understand? Sexy. You you know I, how it works. I mean, Brad, as a news guy, you've seen you've seen comic book um, spots before from like national yep. broadcasts that, that you look at that and, you, and you're like, okay, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. They even Marvel knows hyphen. that. Marvel Marvel's <laughs> not gonna. They're not counting on CNN to tell people that this is an alternate reality universe. They're counting on CNN to throw it up. Spider Man half black. Half Mexican and gay, and maybe gay. And, and if you listen to the Glenn Beck and clip, some books. If you if you listen to the Glenn Beck clip, it's on Spider-Man Crawlspace. They're sitting there talking about that. It's well, it's a different reality. What? How can there be two Spider-Mans at the same time? You know, it, it, because oh, he he was condescending about it. He's like, it's there's another Spider-Man. I don't know. It's a stupid comic book. His okay, exact but at the same time, Glenn Beck's version of Spider-Man is the movies and the Broadway musical. That's it. He knows nothing about Spider-Man. And he's, you know, I'm not going to say he's average Joe Blow, but they're not going to understand, like, like you guys were saying, they're not going to understand that there's two different realities going around. Like me and my dad, we know. My mom's not going to know. My mom's going to be like, what? Spider-Man's black? You know? <laughs> I just it, So is it a bad thing to do, uh, I guess, George, is, is, is this dumb for Marvel to do? Well, it's it, again, it's not dumb, I, but it's kind of desperate. This is like they are—they are literally looking for anything. They are throwing anything against the wall to try to get something to stick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's because of the DC reboot. A DC has sucked in all of the news lately. You yeah. know, and, well, they I'm, stole it back the, with this one on the comic side. Just on the this, comic this had side, to be planned you, before the DC reboot was announced, though. I um I don't I don't know that that's true. They've been talking about the new Ultimate series uh, for since earlier this year. Yeah, like, but they've only been drawing it for what at this point? Probably. Well, no, you know what though? I, I think you're. Yeah, no, never mind. I think you're probably right on that. I think you're probably right on that. Really. I mean, they say what you will about Marvel, but um, to use the Wacker example, when Wacker came on when he first started editing in Friendly Neighborhood, the decision to do OMD was already in place. Before he even got there, so I mean, and that was like six months to a year before one more day hit. So they're usually about a year ahead in terms of the initial planning process. You know what? Here's the thing, though, because I read uh, what Bendis said. Uh, what was it about the character? About this being a gimmick, and about you know, and he's like, no, this is not a gimmick. This is legitimate storytelling, or whatever. And this is long term. Does anyone actually believe that? <laughs> is there, no, sir, is there anyone on this podcast that seriously <laughs> believes that? Well, That's considering the Miles way he writes, be for a hundred issues as long as Peter Parker. Oh my! Does anyone, my, does anyone think that, that Miles Morales think, won't last thirty issues? Do people think people are still going to read this title once the novelty of Miles Morales is worn off? <clears throat> it, okay, you know I'll be fair to Bendis. Probably not. I'll give him. lasted a while, but you know that was you had Peter well, David write him. So unless gonna be the character the, gets really, really good, then. No. There's gonna be there's gonna be the point where everybody knows that it's not working except Bendis, and then they're gonna keep going, 
And then – but at what point did, did they have to stop and well, say, okay, we, we've got to bring the original back now? Because it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, yes, show yes. of hands. Does anyone actually think that, that they're not going to bring him back at some point? Your, to play devil's advocate, here, here's probably what's going to happen. Uh, th- this character will last a year, and as George predicted, they'll have to shock again to get the sales back up. Yeah. And don't you think the gay thing will be the next shocker? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'll say, it's perfect. But he's 13 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, that's Stella, that's crossing of, the line there. It doesn't mean he has to do gay stuff. It could just mean he's, he shows an interest in boys. A lot of uh, I don't think 13-year-olds know such a thing yet. I mean, I think that... No, there's just no. I mean, you're, this is like the no, age of which I am teaching, and they may be getting introduced to sexuality, but they would not know that. And I think that's crossing the line if all of a sudden they. And, and I don't want anyone of you know. Um, Stella, I, Stella, I, I agree with you. <laughs> but no, no, but we have but we have fifty-year-old men writing this. We have middle-aged men writing. This. Okay, yeah. What's the problem there? <laughs> No, I'm saying that the JR. I'm sorry. Do, do you have your finger on the pulse of of, of the teen gay community, and I just never knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to take the fifth on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay. I think the 50 year old men will write that the next shocker is the the interest in in homosexuality. But then they're the just 50- making this character into a melting pot, which is my my. No, that's problem. exactly what he is. Is yeah, that's right that's now? my problem with it to begin with. Um, it may yeah. have made me out to seem racist, like the the quote that Donovan no. took from me. I'm fine with diversity, man. I am all for it, you know, especially women because I'm, you know, a female. But when you throw, let's throw two nationalities into it, that seems a little bit forced to me. Why can't we just explore one of them? And then if you throw in, you know, now he's. Um, he has a particular, what is that called? Orientation. There we go. Sorry. Sexual orientation. Number one, I think it's wrong for a 13-year-old, um, especially in the comics. That seems very strange. And then, I don't know, they're going to do everything. Every, maybe his parents were, maybe they were socialists or they were neo-Nazis. I mean, then it's going <laughs> to, it's, it's. I, and then it's, the book will fail. Yeah. I mean, because probably people can did. see his through it. Are, his parents are probably divorced. That's another demographic. Um, wow. One of them, the mom might be gay. That's another demographic. Wow. You know what I mean? Okay, the parents being divorced, that, that that's that's a reality. Like, you know, characters in the Marvel Universe have split families, dead family. It's not always a demographic. Sometimes, like, his parents have to be something. If his parents are married, that doesn't I mean, mean it's I'm a demographic. I'm just using that as an example, Bertoni. Okay. You know, I, I think they're just going to keep finding... All these little pet things to throw onto this guy. And to another prediction out of me, we're into year two of the possible gay storyline, and then Bendis is going to say, I'm out, and then he'll bring back Peter Parker. And then the next writer won't be able to write Ultimate Spider-Man. That's, I think three years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think there'll be a next writer after Bendis on this? Brad, this universe is, is hanging on yeah. by a thread. How many times has it been yeah. rebooted now? The, George, they'll try it. They hold on to it with another writer. I guarantee you. If Bendis is gone, I think Bendis is the only thing keeping this thing alive, Brad. That, that doesn't mean they're not going to try. I, I I don't know. I I think I think if Bendis goes, I think they'll finally just go ahead and let it die. Mm. It's been wanting to it die is. for years now. It's been wanting to I die would, since Ultimatum. I would. That agree. is, yeah. Ultimatum I would agree, hundred percent. This See, universe is the saying, thing please, is, God, please take us off live support. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm more interested in in this general Ultimate Universe relaunch than I was ever interested in Ultimatum. 
Right. We haven't we haven't heard uh, Jr's two cents. What do you well, think I'm about not sure. Morales? I'm not I'm not sure that I can uh, add anything of any merit to the uh, vociferous debate that has already taken place. Um, I I just have to, I, I you know I'm one of these people that cannot distinguish the the marketing from the product, uh, yeah. and so. For whatever reason, uh, you know, I, I was the type of guy who would refuse to go see a movie if I saw critics' quotes on the uh, on the promotion because I figured if you had to put critics' quotes on it, the movie would suck because otherwise you wouldn't have to promote it. Okay, I know that makes absolutely no sense, but that's just <laughs> kind of the way I am. Um, as far, I think it was a desperation move because I think you know Ultimate Spider-Man was down to below forty thousand. Yep. Sales, monthly sales. I mean, it was dying. I mean, when when Bagley left, I think everybody took that as the jumping off point, and and the and the title started tanking. So they had to do something. I mean, at that point in time, it was just another Spider-Man title. It might as well have been Marvel Adventures. You know, I mean, what was the point of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they they really went with this this uh, this you know killing Peter Parker and 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 doing uh, a minority as Spider-Man. Uh, I think to save the book. Um, in a, this is such a. I, I would have given you a different answer at eighteen, twenty-eight, thirty-eight, and now forty-eight. As far as you know, my um, impressions of a, a minority Spider-Man. Um, I think in a way it actually makes a lot of sense because if Spider-Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, well, I mean, you know, make him make him a child of the neighborhood. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and that wouldn't be a straight up, you know, mama white bread mama's boy, you know. Um, uh, uh, but uh, God, this is just a really tricky subject. Uh, hey, Jr. Jr. Yeah. Jr. Yeah. Let me run this by you. Let me run this by you. Yeah. In Amazing Spider-Man, let's say something happens. Peter and Mary Jane are gone from the book for six months. Okay, we're talking about at least six six months, maybe a year out of the actual book itself. And Hobie Brown steps in to become Spider-Man for that period of time. Do you not think that that would be more acceptable? Oh, well, it, well yeah, that would be perfectly logical, because Hobie's yeah. been a character that's been there for a long time. He's He feels grateful to Spider-Man. He would want to carry on Spider-Man's legacy. He'd be a lot, you know, he, he would probably feel it incumbent to do so. Uh, right. he, and he probably wouldn't be the only one. Uh, I'm just very, I, I don't mind this. I mean, I don't, see, I don't read Ultimate anymore, so I don't care if he's half black, half Hispanic, gay, green, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or a smurf. Because I really don't care. Um, you know, it's just that, uh, I, I mean, this has inspired, frankly, this has inspired much more debate than I think it's worth. Though the thing that bothers me is just the way that I think Marvel has no artistic in- or creative integrity. They're just friggin' media whores. They're no better than, I mean, they're like Lady Gaga or, or you know, some of these other people who will literally do anything, you know, to be noticed. And I just think that's pathetic, and I despise it. Um this kid's, nationality, this kid's nationality is irrelevant to me. It's just this this overselling, you know, desperately trying to get noticed. And uh, that, that's what I hate more than anything else. I would like to hop in and say that the, those that hate the Spider-Man crawl space are going to post on online now. <laughs> J.R. Fettinger compares media whores, to, Marvel media whores to Lady Gaga. It's a great <laughs> Oh, I'm sure somebody's going to call on if you're a Lady Gaga fan. <laughs> We'll get we'll get called racist or something like that. When if you actually listen to what we're saying, I you know I've even said I would accept Hobie Brown as a substitute for Spider Man for a while. Well, Here's a I, I can't, go ahead. Oh, Josh. if you're gonna 
if you're given a legacy character like Batman or somebody or whatever, and and you're going to say, okay, Bruce Wayne, you know, or Diana Prince, you know, they're off the table for a while, you know, bring a new character into the identity, you're going to want to make that character different. You know, you like you don't want someone that's exactly like Peter Parker. You don't want another white boy from Queens. Otherwise, you know, it's just like, you know, a carbon copy clone of Peter Parker, you know, uh, Zad Zack jokes aside. So, so I mean, you know, so one of how are we, what are ways that you can make this character different from Peter Parker? And one way is doing the race. And no matter what race they would have done, it would have been called a gimmick. It would have been called a gimmick if they would have made him, you know, Mexican or, you know, I guess he's Latino. Would have been a gimmick if he was Alaskan, you know. They're, if they're going to make him a different race, and no matter what happened, yeah, Marvel was going to play it up to the media because, you know, they want the sales. So I, guess I can't, th- I can't that's claim what makes that I, this a gimmick. I can't claim that I thought of this argument, but I saw it online in the discussion. Uh, someone said, is it not insulting to minorities that they have to step into the white man's shoes or a white man's character? Yeah, I, I can is, see is that. Is it insulting? I can, I can see that. I mean, why, why can't they have heroes of why, their own? You I mean, know, like... Luke Cage is a is a great uh, hero. Luke Cage is I mean, fantastic. Um, yeah, as long as he's Black, not saying "Sweet Christmas." I mean, come <laughs> Black, on. <laughs> Black Panther is an awesome character. Uh, I want I, I want Black Panther to be white now. <laughs> but do you think that's insulting to have to step into a white hero's shoes? It's it, I, it's just I, a new I, character. That's all it is. Then create. Don't call him Spider Man because that's not a new character. Yeah, call him um, something Speeder, else. Spider Speederman. Speederman. Something something Spider Man related. Speederman. Did you just yeah. go to the bad Japanese Mexican <laughs> boys? I mean, I, well? under what circumstances could they could they have replaced Spider Man with a black character and it not would have been racist or insulting? Is there any circumstance where it could I have just happened? gave you one. If Hobie Brown stepped in Spider Man shoes, people would accept that because Hobie Brown has been a black character in Spider Man since the damn sixties. People would understand it. And he's actually worn a Spider-Man costume before. I wouldn't yeah. blink an eye. I'd be like, yeah, we get more Hobie Brown. whoop de doo I love Hobie. So if, if Miles Morales was an established character, would you not have a problem with it? But, but they should have done it this way. They should have established him first before they made him, before they made him the replacement character. He should, have been, he should have come in there as a supporting character a year ago, two years ago. Which probably attested the fact that this was a spur-of-the-moment decision. Yeah, I mean, you could have had Peter Parker training Miles on how to use his spider powers and help him better understand his powers. Instead, and then it would make sense. Well, and the thing is, is I've got I went and bought uh, Ultimate Fallout number four because I thought, you know, I can't sit there and, and be uneducated on this character and not read the character's first appearance and go off what everybody else is saying. And the thing is about this about this book is that the dialogue is exactly like the dialogue that would have been written for regular Peter Parker. Uh, excuse me, regular Ultimate Peter Parker. It's, there's no difference in the dialogue. He's still kind of a wisecracking, act, you know, little kid. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no differentiation of the character of Miles Morales in costume. And Peter Parker. Well, upcoming storylines evidently have him in his his parents are there, etc. And he and then he's going to interact with Peter's supporting cast. Mary well, Jane, I would hope so. Aunt, Aunt May and stuff, stuff like that. I'm sure. I'm sure Mary Jane's going to have her video camera and saying, "What the hell is this shit?" Yeah, <laughs> but as George likes to say, the Ultimate Universe was supposed to be the the entry point into the Marvel Universe when you now have a lot of continuity with it. 
Jameis wanted the Ultimate Universe, Brad, to supplant the Marvel 616 continuity. Yeah. He when when Jameis started that, he absolutely wanted. That. Jr. Would you say would you say I'm wrong on that? I don't recall him explicitly stating it, but I think if you read between the lines, it was pretty clear that that was his ulti- his ultimate pun intended game plan. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I, I I definitely think that's what he ultimately wanted. Although I don't think it was explicitly stated. Right. And in the meantime, right. we have we have the movies trying to copy this Ultimate Universe, which has failed to the point it's had to be essentially how many times has it been rebooted? Twice, three times? This is the this is the second time it's been rebooted. Okay. This it depends the, on what you consider a reboot, because they because they've renumbered it a few times. So the so the continuity free the continuity free universe suddenly has continuity now, and they don't they're scrambling like chickens with their heads cut off and don't know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> was was it jo- I mean, with all this debate, was it George the one who said that Bendis is probably the one keeping Ultimate alive? Yes, the Ultimate Universe. Oh, yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. I think Bendis yeah. has got so much power that he's wielding because I mean they didn't they cancel Ultimate Fantastic Four? Uh, yes. And, 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 and X-Men. And, and they did cancel Ultimate X-Men? They were bringing it back, but it's been canceled for like a year okay. or two. Okay. And then They're Ultimate Event. Again. And then the Ultimates, <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even, I mean, even when people wanted to read that, they couldn't get it cranked out. So yeah. I, I, the, I think, you know, I mean, I think the Ultimate Universe ran out of gas, and either Casada, because it started under his reign, doesn't want to admit it and wants to keep it going, or... You know, or or it's it's like George said, it's been just keeping it alive because I, I think the plug would have been pulled. I don't think anybody cares about it anymore. And this and this Miles Morales character is is probably a last gasp attempt to try to justify it and keep it alive. So yeah, yeah. I I see that. I just like I said, I just wish, you know, I I just hated being on CNN and all that other stuff. You know, it just a, again with like what what did Marvel just shill the other time that they where they you know where they blew the. Um, they blew the ending or whatever so they could promote it to Fantastic the for the death of oh. Johnny and Captain America dying and all that. And then, but there was another one since the death of Johnny, wasn't there? It was Cap, I thought. It was the well, death was of Spider Man. The death of Spider Man. Thank you. Yes. Well, they. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Jeez, I, my memory is so. I tell you, I'm going. I mean, it's like I'm going to have to be in that Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie looking for that Alzheimer's cure there. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's just this. This the Mar- Marvel's marketing is just absolutely appalling. Uh, but but yeah. but it gets results. I mean, the book sells. It, right? Brad, it's going to sell for that number one issue. It's it, how do they work on the long term sales? It's gonna, it, you're gonna have it's it'll sell however many actually a really a really high sale now it's not even two hundred fifty anymore it's like one hundred and fifty thousand now yeah the market the is thing that is, bad. It's, it's not having any long term effect I mean that's kind of what I joked about last month was saying you know I mean because because the, the the PR guy from Marvel pulls out this bullshit about oh we want to get more people into the stores blah 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 well you do for that one month and that's it. You know, yeah. and then then sales drop off like a rock again. None of this stuff right. is having a long term impact on the sale of comics. In fact, comics are selling less than they were a year ago. And I mean, I know the economy has probably a lot to do with it, but it's not working. You know, the, these the, all these stunts that you're doing is all you're doing is is staving off the, the um, inevitable. God. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're just that's delaying right, the right. inevitable. That's why we're saying, and you know, in six months to a year, this kid will be gay. And and it's it's this desperation <laughs> another sales bump because they're yeah. compromising quality. It's not being met with a requisite increase in quality. I mean, it's just it's gimmicks, and 
and and um, it's 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 I'm I'm you know I'm I'm losing interest in in the whole the whole comics thing because they're just with DC and its new reboot and stuff. It's I'm losing interest in the whole thing. Last comments on Miles Morales before we move on. Zach. Oh, oh, go ahead, George. No, just real quick. If they make him gay, it'll come with a new number one too. <laughs> no, people are gonna think it. It'll That's come not, with a new number one. Yeah. Zach, and final words, Miles Morales. Miles Morales. You know, I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Cuz I'm I've bought, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man nearly from the beginning. I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the Bagley run especially. I'm hoping we get some of that magic in a bottle again, but I doubt it because Bendis needs to not write this title. They need somebody else, a new set of eyes. I know everybody thinks that the success of the title is tied to Brian Michael Bendis, but Damn it! I want somebody else on there because I want you know more than just a freaking happy meal as a story. Bertoni, final thoughts, Miles Morales. Uh, let's. Uh, when I first heard this news, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know who this is, and I moved on. I'm really surprised about the amount of talk it's generated, and that's all I got to say about it now. Stella, I agree, actually, with uh, Josh there, because I was at a meeting. Uh, uh, we have to read a book, faculty members. And the Bible 11 teacher, which is moving down to the middle school, uh, turned to me and said, did you hear about Spider-Man? And you have to understand that in the entire school, I'm the only one that knows anything about superheroes. So, <laughs> indeed. It's very true. Uh, I'm not going to be picking it up. I guess I'll just keep my ear to the floor to hear what's going on with him. But overall, yeah. Jr. Any final words before we move on? Nope. And George? I no, I'm good. Okay. I, I'll give I'll give a in the recommendations whenever the first issue comes out. I will give an, a yay or an a on whether or not it was a, even worth the price. But okay. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is the fifth anniversary of the podcast, 13 years of the website. And the website went online in August of 1998. I was back in college. Jesus. I was a swinging bachelor, and I f- had a full head of hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, I and want that photographic po- proof of that. I want to see that. <laughs> uh, I pull a Behrman. I get some, uh, what, what's that uh, shaving cream that we both like? Um, Barbasol. Barbasol, shave it, baby. Because uh, my, my old man was bald, and yeah. he started he started going bald. Well, I don't think he ever had any hair. I think because he was in the fifties <laughs> and he got his hair crew cutted so much, it never grew. But wow. uh, he never had a full head of hair. So I, I want to see proof you had a full head of hair. <laughs> All right, photographic proof coming up. Uh, anyway, uh, the the month uh, that uh, the crawl space went online was August of nineteen ninety eight. And the issues of Spider-Man that came out in that month were Amazing Spider-Man number 437. The title is called I, Monster. It was written by Tom DeFalco and art by Raphael Kanan. On the cover is, uh, it says Metamorphosis, guest starring Cinch from Generation X. And I think this is the issue where he becomes the man spider, right? Oh, is this it? Oh. <laughs> This it's a was, bad I one. You, it's a bad one, dude. I tell you, if if, if um, I don't know if Tom DeFalco has like a list of greatest hits and greatest flops, but uh, <laughs> this would be on the latter. Uh, definitely. I, well, you kind of when you you when you tried to introduce who his co-star was incorrectly, by the way, uh, <laughs> you kind of. Well, first of all, it's sink. It's not cinch. Oh. It's, oh. <laughs> It's so or I was going to start out by saying Spider-Man teams up with Justin Timberlake, you know, and then I was going to, you know, but you, 
you know, you kind of but blew I that with it all the hell, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I'll pretend you didn't say that. Anyway, so he teams okay. up with Sink, a bald black kid who's a member of Generation X. Okay. Now, Generation X, I always thought, was what I would disparagingly call people who grew up in the 80s. You know, but yep. I find out it's yet another one of those 800 million X-Men mutant teams, you know. <laughs> By the way, mutants are this persecuted minority, but before um, before the Scarlet Witch told them all to go away, uh, I'm not sure what they were a minority of because there were millions of them. But anyway, so <laughs> the evil villain, Plants Man, yes. Man, is really bad about losing a previous battle to Sink and his Generation X cohorts. So what he does is he has a bunch of pollen, mutagenic pollen spit on him, and this bald black kid becomes <laughs> Ving Rhames, okay? Uh, and so Spider-Man, you know, sees this angry Ving Rhames going around and fights him, and, you know, and, and they, they wind up going down into this big, you know, down into the earth where there's all these plants, and Spidey gets hit with mutant pollen and starts putting <laughs> in. And he starts turning it into a spider. Okay. In the face. Yeah, in the face. Uh-huh. And so what it also does, it doesn't just turn him into a spider, but it also makes him for. It also must give him some memory problems because years later in Paul Jenkins. Uh, I was just thinking that. Rather horrid story where Spider-Man turns into a spider. He tells Mary Jane, well, gee, I've never turned into a spider before. Well, no, Peter, that was probably about the third time you did, and, and this was one of them. So where do you go with this story now? Anyway, so so Plant Man wants to take over the world with his plants, which I, I guess makes sense, you know. So Sink, see, it's not Sink's power is that he sinks up with a... he syncs up with other superheroes and so kind of borrows their powers and acts like them and then he sings bye 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 so he he so angry <laughs> basically angry v frames gets control of his mind he syncs up with spider-man he and uh, this is so actually, bad. actually, no, man, man, spider, um, kick plant man in, into a bunch of his own mutant pollen, he and tomatoes, yeah, and so he turns. I, I forget what plant man turns into. I've got it here, but he turns into something planty, and <laughs> so and and he therefore, in order to cure himself, he gives Spider-Man and Ving Rhames their cures, and everything is back to and everything is back to normal. This was done in one. <laughs> and, and Tom DeFalco can, can pick up a paycheck and and hopefully have a little bit. Of- <laughs> <laughs> and I love Tom DeFalco, but this was a oh my gosh. What, what a month for the crawl space to debut, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, this was, actually some of the other ones we'll talk about uh, aren't that bad. Uh, but this, 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 we already hit the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> this was uh, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, there was a time like Steve Scross went off the book, and I think it threw off Amazing for several months. Because it seemed like fill-in after fill-in. No, this was this was after. I mean, it was mainly. Uh, I think Joe Bennett was the guy that was doing it. Um, let me let me go back to where I was. Um, but yeah, it, no. It's leading up to. Um, well, this oh, is was, very, this is very uh, close to the reboots. 
This yeah. is like three issues away from the reboot. Oh, this yeah, was literally right. filler. Yeah, I mean the 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 last ep, uh, last issue of Amazing Spider-Man before the reboot was 441 <laughs> and this was 437 and I think that's actually going to be kind of evident as we talk about some of these others that they were starting to limp into the reboot. The end was near and you know, yeah. but uh, it no says doubt. the penciler on this one was Raphael uh, Mr. Fillin. Yeah, we've never heard of him. Yeah, with Bud LaRosa as the inker. So, you know, I Yeah. Fun yeah. fact about this issue, Brad. Yeah, it was packaged with the Man Spider Spider-Man Classics toy a couple years later. I do remember that toy. Yeah. yeah. Also, that came out this month, uh, a Spectacular Spider-Man number two hundred and sixty. Uh, on the cover is a very good looking. Is that Romita Senior? That's yeah, I think yep, so. It is. And it has uh, Jr.'s favorite, the Green Goblin Five, and the <laughs> Hobgoblin. And what's this one about? Roger Stern, Glenn Greenberg, writing and plotting, and Luke Ross. Oh, this spider in the middle. This was I, th- this. Unfortunately, the whole se- this, this this story arc didn't kind of petered out. <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, no, this was part two of Goblins at the Gate, the long-awaited meeting of Roderick Kingsley and Norman Osborn, <laughs> just so giddy and everything. Um, you know, I almost feel like a little schoolgirl watching Twilight and watching Edward Sparkle and and Jake or whatever his name is take off his T-shirt. Jake, uh, you want Norman <laughs> or Team Roddy? Oh, Team Norman or Team Roddy? That's a good one. Um, which, which, whichever, whichever, one, whichever one sparkles and broods the most. Um, but um, this is the second part. Uh, basically, what has happened here is uh, Kingsley has uh, is is really um, kind of is sitting in jail after Roger Stern's last miniseries, and he's he's really feeling pissed off that Norman has kind of come back from the quote unquote dead and is. Uh, in a position of power and uh, and prominence again, and Roddy's sitting there in jail. So he puts out the story to get to you know to out that Norman will get. So Norman will hear it that he's got a green uh, one of Norman's journals that um, where Norman talks about being the Green Goblin. And so of course Norman says, oh, "Oh, I better put the pull the plug on this." So he has Roddy snatched from jail by Green Goblin Five, who at this time was not a disintegrating clone. At this point in time, he was. Uh, supposed to be Phil Yorick. So, mm. uh, and that that is directly from Glenn mm. Greenberg's mouth. Um, and Greenberg was the uh, scripter and the co-plotter on this one. Um, because actually, Greenberg and I exchanged a couple of emails over this. And, um, and uh, but, but he said the editor wouldn't let him do it, and he didn't have an answer why. And I think, who was the editor this time? Was it Ralph? Uh, Ralph Macchio. Uh, Ralph Macchio. Uh, and, uh, but it was that. But the reveal night was intended to be filled, but but the editor would not allow it, and he didn't know why. He was never given a reason. But anyway, so um, what happens here then is Norman says, "All right, Roddy, I bought, I got your ass out of jail. Now where's the journal?" And so Roderick says, well, "I don't have it. My brother Daniel has it." Okay, so you know Rod, uh, Roddy suits up as a hobgoblin to go kidnap Daniel so they can get the journal. And Norman, being the very trusting person that he is, tells his goblin dupe to go follow Roddy. Meanwhile, there's a young reporter at the Daily Bugle by the name of Billy Walters, who, is he related to Nora? I don't think, well, I don't know if we'll ever find out, but... That's, I never put that together. That's a good idea. Well, well Walters and Winters. Winters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, geez. Bert, it's okay, you know, JR. She's not that interesting anyway. I, I'm <laughs> 
I am so screw, I am so screw, I'm screwing up so massively. I, I tell you, I, I, I like Nora Winters better when she was called Joy Mercado. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to have to turn over Spidey Kicks butt to Bertoni and, and and just go and drift off into that good night. So I'll, I'll think, reboot it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Me off with the SpideyKicksButt.com number one. You know. yeah. Spider Yoda's too hard on himself. I got a question wrong, so now I have to go die. <laughs> hey, I take the uh, well. You know, I mean, we fanboys are nothing if not serious. But uh, it's anyway. not Charlotte's Web, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's appropriate. Oh boy. Um, anyway, Billy is uh, Billy has been doing some work for Jonah. Jonah, uh, Jonah wants to prove that Norman is a scumbag, which you know shouldn't be very hard to prove. But anyway. Uh, so Billy has dug up all this kind of dirt that shows that Norman is a scumbag. Because at this point in time, Norman has bought a 50% interest in the Daily Bugle. Because Norman used Jack-O-Lantern, who, uh, we did, who J.M.D. Mateus created, but had no idea who he was. Uh, uh, Jack-O-Lantern threatened Jonah's family if he didn't sell half the Bugle to Norman. So anyway, Norman is, owns half the Bugle and is controlling its editorial policies. So Jonah is having all this dirty work, uh, work um, stuff dug up on Norman that shows that he's a, a real scumbag, you know, whoop-de-doo. Anyway, getting back to the interesting part, um, the hobby burst in on Kingsley, uh, on Daniel Kingsley. Spider-Man comes to the rescue. They fight briefly. The Green Goblin dupe shoots Spider-Man with a tranquilizer dart. And the Hobgoblin's hand is reaching towards Spider-Man's mask to discover his secret identity. And we go to Fade Out for Part 2. Um, great story. Unfortunately, it, Goblins at the Gate kind of wimped out at the end. One with the reveal, non-reveal of the Green Goblin 5's identity. And the fact that Norman and Roddy exchange you know, a few punches, but Norman never turns into the Green Goblin. He, He's still in his civilian identity. They don't really fight very much, and they just both kind of, you know, Roddy goes to his island, Norman flies off on the glider, and and that's kind of it. It just kind of mask and so. It just kind of wimps mask out. and a business suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although it did create Greenberg. one good joke. It, it it did create a good joke where one cop says, "Is that the Green Goblin?" I don't know, but if he is, he's dressing a lot better. Uh, <laughs> but overall, also, yeah, also, yeah a good also part that came out. Oh, go ahead, Jaro, sure. sir. Sorry. That's it. That's it. Also that came out this month was Peter Parker's Spider-Man number 94. This one was called Who Was Joey Z? Uh, on the cover, it, we have Spider-Man uh, facing off against a big guy with the the text, Someone doesn't want Spidey to know the truth, and he's big, mad, and dangerous, which is a great-looking uh, John Romita Jr. cover. This one's written by Howard Mackey and art, art by John Romita Jr. What do you think, Jr.? Well, the big guy was the ox, and the um, ox. Oh, it was ox. The ox from and the enforcers. Uh, actually, this was his brother. I think the original oh, ox. The remember, ox. the original ox was dead. Oh, so, okay. You know, he died of uh, what? He had cancer, and uh, what? And he died fighting Daredevil, didn't he, or something like that? The original. He ox. died in like a really old Daredevil. Yeah. So anyway, what what is who was Joey Z? Well, you know what? Let's see. 1998, 13 years ago. And you know what? We still don't know who Joey Z was. <laughs> Are you so let, in fact, in fact, let, who did we say the uh, writer of this was? Uh, there we go. Howard Mackey. But anyway, who is Joey Z? Well, he must have been a badass because he was discovered. <laughs> he was discovered in the previous, the previous issue suffocated with webbing. 
So it had to be Spider-Man that killed him, of course. Uh, and so Spider-Man's a suspect. And now, you know, and so but Spidey figures, oh, man, I'm being fr- I got to find out who Joey Z was. Well, Jill Stacy is also obsessed with Joey. Joey Z, because Jill figures that if she finds out who Joey Z was, because since there's a connection between Joey Z and Spider-Man, which she, because of the suffocating webbing, uh, which actually later someone does a test on and it shows it's not even the same webbing as Spider-Man's. But, but that's a moot point. Anyway, Jill, <laughs> thinks if she fig- Jill thinks if she figures out who Joey Z was, she'll figure out the connection between Joey Z and Spider-Man, and she'll figure out Spider-Man's connection with Gwen Stacy, her, her, her cousin who died mysteriously. And, uh, <laughs> you go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Think that, Jill. Uh, but anyway, so Spike Man. doesn't know who Joy Z is, so he, so he goes to George Stacy, and George says, "Oh God, you don't know. You don't want to know who Joy Z was." And uh, you know, but Jill's trying to find out who Joy Z was too. So uh, Spidey then, uh, you know, I think he runs to. Um, Oh, yeah, we find out that the Kingpin has a connection to Joey Z, so he wants the Ox to go get Jill because we don't want our uh, uh, connection to Joey Z being discovered. And then Spider-Man, I think, runs into Silvermane and says, Silvermane, who was Joey Z? You know, and uh, (laughs) Silvermane goes, oh, you don't know. Joey was a, you know, he was a floater or whatever, you know. He he was a floater. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's see here. Oh, and the thing. He was a bad dude, you know, and um, he was a bam. And, and, and then there's, and, and then we find out that he, he's got a connection to the Hellfire Club. So Spider-Man goes to Sebastian Sh- uh, Kevin Bacon and goes, uh, "Okay, and Kevin Bacon goes, oh, you don't want to know who Joey Z was." <laughs> Then Jill gets kidnapped, so so he has to stop asking about Joey Z and <laughs> rescue Jill. Oh my God! So he rescues Jill, and then later he he not. Oh, well, see, then we have Peter and Jill uh, getting together, and they walk alone in the dark in the park, and they discover that they have a lot in common, and. Anyway, they just talk, and this is kind this of is, obviously this is like a, a drunk pre- uncle telling you a story. <laughs> <laughs> drunk uncle named Howard Mackey. <laughs> yeah, this, and of course, the fact that they're discovering that they have so much in common, of course, is going to lead to these awful reboot stories. You know, where uh, anyway, where, where Spider-Man and Jill are always winding up, you know, together and falling off ladders together and things of that nature, and so. Here's then Spider-Man, you know, shows up in Jill's bedroom and says, we need to talk about Gwen. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Just so, about but, my girlfriend gets you as hot as it gets me. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. So I'm going to show up in your bedroom and let's talk about your cute cousin, huh? Uh, anyway. <laughs> so who was Joey Z? Who was Joey Z, We never find out. <laughs> he was the fifth goblin. We you never know? find out who Joey Z was. What a... What a, oh my what a bait and switch. Damn, and, and this was bait. actually done. You know, this almost was done verbatim with Senator Ward. Because you remember <laughs> you remember Senator? when Senator Ward came on the scene and then there was then uh we met the Ranger and the Ranger trying to kill <laughs> The ranger, the ranger is trying to kill like, Senator like, Ward because Senator Ward's a bad dude. You really don't know what Senator Ward's like. 
And like, then, I feel like I ought to have a picture story before the record Stacey right meets now. with somebody, and they're talking about how bad Senator Ward is. And the kingpin knows how bad Senator Ward is. And, you know, and, and then who is Senator Ward? Well, Howard Mackey forgets. Because then, after, just before Mackey finally gets fired, Ralph Macchio has to come out and say, oh, the next three-parter that ends his run really will answer the question of Senator Ward. So anyway. Okay, oh, now do MJ anyway. Stalker. <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. Oh, that, that was another one. That's another one. Oh, uh, okay, man. but anyway. Really, here, here's the thing. The story wouldn't have been that bad. But it, it, it's like all the, but all these balls were thrown in the air, and, and none of them came down. And that, that was, unfortunately, because I liked Howard Mackey's run on Peter Parker, but this, this, this was, was uh, an example of, of kind of how he would apparently get uh, – he needed a good editor. This, this, yeah. I thought this guy could write, but apparently his editor was not willing to edit him and tell him, Howard, <laughs> resolve your storyline. No okay, doubt. so wait, wait, Jr. You're saying that that Mackey's problem is that his balls didn't drop. <laughs> his boss didn't drop Mackey's balls. No, so <laughs> that's that's what you said in so many words. I love it. I love it. Uh, Sensational <laughs> Spider-Man number thirty also came out, written by Todd DiZago, artist by Javier Salteras. Uh, title is called Cat and Mouse. Looks like Black Cat and uh, Spider-Man are in arcades. Uh, Murder World. Murder, Murder World. World. Yep. Yeah, Try to get excited about it, Brad Kreischer from TV. Oh. <laughs> I'm still cracking up. Sell it. Other uh, Murder World or something, because that doesn't sound exciting at all. Murder the World sounds so bland. Go ahead, Jr. Nothing, nothing that happens now can can match up the Joey Z thing. So God, the Joey Z thing is epic. But epic. Uh, anyway, uh, oh my heavens! And did I just? I think I just screwed up here. I think I mixed up the uh, again. Because this is where Billy Walters gives Joni his scoop on Norman Osborn. Uh, unlike, uh, oh no, yep, wait a minute. Yep, this is this is it. it. Is. Yeah, this Billy is Walters it. was mainly a sensational character. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. Anyway, see, I'm it, it's been a long day of Joey Z's and Colin shows and <laughs> Senator <laughs> Wards. It's it's, hey, it's hey, fun. Spencer, we celebrated Spencer's birthday today. So anyway, okay. <clears throat> the Black Cat ready Spider- for the hot tub and the zebra cakes. <laughs> <laughs> why this is what, are folks, if you don't know why we have George Berryman on, this is why. I love it. Okay, Black Cat and Spider-Man walk into a bar. Go okay, they're, they're trapped in Arcade's murder world, which if okay. you've ever seen any of the arcade stories, you know, it's, it's the same, same game all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, we first saw Arcade back in Marvel Team-Up number 65 and 66, I think, when, which introduced Captain Britain to American audiences, and Arcade's gimmick has never changed. Um, so apparently there's this kidnapped kid that the black cat in her I'm a good girl investigative uh, private eye thing is trying to rescue. Um, I didn't have a chance to go see issue 29, so I don't know all that led into it. But anyway, it's basically they go into murder world. They arcade shows up on the TV every once in a while and taunts and cackles and says typical super evil villain things like, ha you're going to die. You're never going to, you're never going to get a what, get through this. The black cat and Spider-Man fight evil robots of themselves. Uh, <laughs> and, they say, and they save the kid. So, you know, there's that story. Uh, okay. <laughs> one, one, one of the subplots, though, is this little deaf girl who, uh, <laughs> anyway, 
this 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 little deaf girl uh, living next door saw Spider Man leave Peter's bedroom. Yeah. Now, probably now Peter is afraid that she's figured out that he's Spider Man. Really, I think she's just concerned that they're gay lovers and Peter Mary <laughs> Jane with Spider Man. The way the story really ended was that she was afraid that Spider-Man was going to be, hurt Peter Parker, and Peter is saying, "No, me and Spidey are just friends. We just—he was over to watch the Wiggles with me, and <laughs> and and everything is fine. You know, with all is right." With oh the- my god! Oh my god! This is so- look for look for J.R. Federer's Christmas story, the little Dev girl coming up <laughs> later this holiday season. Oh, and, and actually, that'll be Miles Morales' uh, next uh, pandering to the demographic. He'll also have a disability. So he'll be, ha- he'll be oh, half no. black, half Hispanic, gay, and he'll have a disability. In fact, oh. we've, just, we've, we've also just described the entire supporting cast at Tricorp. Uh, which Howard Mackey came up with because if you remember there was a white guy that looked like Howard Essman there was an angry Hispanic there was a clever there was a clever Asian and there was the uh, the guy from Africa Dr. Nowicki who was in charge and there was an African American Handy uh, girl in a wheelchair. In so. a wheelchair, that's right. <laughs> oh, wow. What next? <laughs> what next? I, I gotta unmute because I'm crying. <laughs> you gotta give him, you gotta give him like a reboot era thing uh, next month. Oh. Spider-Man Unlimited also came out. Um, oh. Written by Christopher Golden. Art by Mike Diodato Jr. Spider-Man Unlimited 21. It has a... Uh, the Frankenstein monster on the cover. <laughs> that would be great, too. Okay, Rampage of the Frankenstein Monster, go. All right. Well, if you all remember Unlimited number 21, I think it debuted, or Unlimited, I'm sorry, Unlimited Spider-Man, or Spider-Man Unlimited, it debuted, I think, in 1992. And it debuted with perhaps the beginning of one of the most epic stories of Spider-Man's existence, which was... Maximum garbage, absolutely. So, and, and it only got better with issue number two, which was the 14th and final part of Maximum Garbage. But anyway, Marvel figured that for Marvel figured they hadn't saturated the market enough with four, four monthly Spider-Man titles, so we got this oversized. So we got this oversized quarterly. With, I think Venom had his own book around that time, didn't he? Like a mini? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. He did. Uh, it was drawn by Tom Lyle. Now, I, now I, I don't want to totally throw out Unlimited with the bathwater because actually the next issue after number two, number three, I think, was one of the better written by Tom DeFalco, was a pretty good background story on Doc Ock. So, yeah, that was the origin story of Doc Ock, really. Yeah, I mean, pretty well, yeah. So it was, I don't want to, but for the most part, Unlimited was. Just, I mean, it was it was yet another Spider-Man title that had a lot of fill-in stories and stories that had absolutely no consequence. But anyway, uh, I'm looking JR, at this issue now. How did I miss this? 
Okay, okay, JR, just just to dovetail that, we've reviewed uh, Spider-Man Unlimited comics, and every single time we've reviewed it, they've gotten Fs on the Spider-Man Clone Saga Chronicles. So that tells you how great the quality of the series was. But go ahead. Excuse me. All right. Okay, so anyway, JJJ calls Peter Parker into his office, and he is offering him an all-expenses-paid trip to the Swiss Alps. Damn, I'd like to work for this guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but it's not Sweden where he could go hang out with our friend um, uh, Frederick, you know, who uh, who, you got, <laughs> who called who in. You guys threw every Swedish cliche at him, you know. As a, you know, and uh, anyway, like, what do you what do you think about Abba? You know, it, it, it's, um, I mean, it's, I mean, come on, I mean, why? You know, what if what if Don what if Donald Donovan showed up? You know, came and you said, "Hey, Donovan, what?" Did, the first thing you said to him was, "Hey, did you like Shaft?" I mean, oh. come on, <laughs> you know, I'm insulted. <laughs> but anyway, uh, oh, I mean, that's the third rail I'd better not approach. Anyway, so anyway, oh, it, to, to for Tony's ultimate pleasure, Jonas and Eddie, <laughs> Eddie with Peter. And they go to Switzerland. So Betty, Betty is trying to seduce Peter. Is this what's happening? Well, let's see. I don't know if she does later or not. I'd have to. But anyway, that's not really the story because the story is really going about to talk to some scientist in Switzerland who lives in a castle. Because as you know, all European scientists live in castles. I mean, that's the nature of the. You gotta have a castle. You know, yeah. if you're a European scientist. But anyway, this guy's doing a lot. Of, apparently, there's a big debate about cloning. And oh no, not again. Yeah. Oh. Well. Almost, and, and this is true. Almost every issue this month, except for the one we're going to talk about next, which is a one shot. Every issue has some kind of clone joke. I think it really, it really does. There's usually some snide, some sort of snide comment about clones. Because Jonah says, what after Jonah tells Peter he's going to send him to Switzerland, he goes, "How do you feel about cloning?" <laughs> and but that's what the story's about. Oh. Uh, so Peter <clears throat> must go to this castle uh, where this mad scientist is, is and. Peter, I guess they must go looking for the bathroom or something because <laughs> what the, the beyonder Frank, the Frank monster <laughs> and some ug- other ugly guy say you can't go into this room or should I, I guess it could you know I guess if it's Frankenstein monster he would say smoke or you know or, <laughs> or you know, anyway so <clears throat> can't go to, yeah so Peter naturally gets curious and so what he finds out is apparently this mad scientist is pretending to be the Frankenstein monster's friend and he has cloned from the Frankenstein monster, a new body, but he's made this new body look good, and he's told the Frankenstein monster that he's going to transfer his brain from this hideous Frankenstein body into this good-looking body. Okay. So anyway, um, so Peter does the, the 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 reasonable thing. He says, "Hmm, I've got to go talk to Betty while she's in her her uh, bathrobe and slippers and ask her some questions." So, <laughs> of course. So, so, so he does that, and Betty refers him to a, another mad scientist castle, but this one is actually inhabited by, I think her name is Victoria Frankenstein. Uh, so he has to go talk to her. Oh, man. And the Baroness, Frankenstein, Baroness Frankenstein. So Peter goes... Now, see, you've got to remember, uh, during all this time, Peter has forgotten that he met the Frankenstein monster back in, in 1975. That's right. right. The original Marvel team at number thirty-seven and number when thirty-eight. When I started reading, yeah, he had he, he totally forgets, which must must be another uh, thing he forgot as a result of turning into that man spider by Plant Man. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> same month. There you go. Same month. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's all science. That is, <laughs> science. 
So Baron is Frankenstein. Prewell tells uh, Peter that uh, what we already knew was that the bad guy who's cloning Frankenstein's monster is not Frankenstein. Friend. Peter goes back and shows the Frankenstein monster that the mad scientist is creating a whole bunch of real ugly Frankenstein clones to serve as his army. Uh, to do what? I'm not entirely sure because I read this quite quickly during our um, uh, when you were taking the live callers. So ultimately, of course, they realize that a whole bunch of evil Frankenstein clones as a clone army is a pretty bad thing. So they, they, they burn down the castle and burn down all the clones. Uh, and Peter and the Frankenstein monster sit and throw flowers into a pond. And, uh, and uh, Frankenstein's monster leaves. Betty comes to pick up Peter. And they fly back from the Swiss Alps. Uh, apparently, neither one of them getting any, and there, <laughs> and that's the end of that one. Um, uh, typical. And let's see, who was the author on this again? Christopher uh, Golden, who's an artist, if I remember correctly. Uh, an artist posing as a writer. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is interesting, though. This is Mike Diodato, but it doesn't look like the Diodato we're um, we're familiar with, because uh, we don't see. I don't see all the. Uh, I don't see Peter looking like uh, uh, C. Thomas Howell or. Uh, uh, Betty looking like an actress or anything like that. He he was doing Incredible Hulk around this time. He was? Okay. Yeah. And as if we didn't have enough Howard Mackey stories, uh, we're going to wrap this up with a, another Howard Mackey one-shot called Spider-Man Made Men. Uh, this one's written by Howard. Art by Norman Fe... <laughs> wasn't he on Three's Company, Norman Fetch or Felch? That's Norman Fell. He was oh, Mr., uh, Mr. Roper. Norman <laughs> Fell. Not Norman Fell. Norman Felch was the art on this no, one. No, Felch is a bad thing you do to somebody. <laughs> no, that, well, that's the guy's name. Oh. Norman Felch. Okay, go ahead, Jared. All right, what do I do with this one? Okay, I didn't get this one until it was in the bargain bin uh, somewhere because I burned, stole it, and it wasn't worth the uh, five. Was it five ninety five? Five ninety nine? Yeah, it wasn't worth the five ninety nine that they were originally. God, it was six bucks. Or, yeah, it was Ooh. six bucks back in 1998, and you didn't wow. get six, you didn't get six bus, bucks worth of anything here. Uh, it, what it was was basically it was a tired old story about two fr- childhood friends, one who grew up to be an FBI agent, one who grew up to be a mobster. Never saw that one before, did you? Anyway, <laughs> the, the story starts out with them watching a crime committed by the kingpin. The kingpin pays them money to pretend they never saw it. And then the story ends, actually, with uh, the two of them facing off with their guns at each other. And uh, the, the, the mobster can't kill the FBI agent, but he does shoot him to try to make the kingpin think he was going to kill him. But the kingpin kills the mobster anyway, he says, because you hesitated, you're unreliable, so I'm going to kill you. Anyway, in between, nothing much happens except this gang war. We get uh, Fortunato gets tossed in, Hammerhead gets tossed in, even my old buddy gets uh, Norman Osborn gets tossed in, uh, where uh, Norman and, and the Kingpin meet, and uh, the Kingpin says, "Are you ready to uh, take me on, Norman?" And Norman says, "Oh yes, yes I am." You know, kind of like kind of almost like kind of like Phineas and Ferb. You know, yes, yes I am. Uh, but uh, but basically, Spider Man makes only. I think two flashback appearance, one appearances, uh, one panel each. He doesn't say anything. It's not a Spider-Man story. It's not a superhero story. It's basically Howard Mackey wanting to tell some old tired mob story. 
um, and it's absolutely no consequence. The only thing interesting thing is at the end, Kingpin and Osborne meet again and say they agree to leave each other alone for the time being, only for about two months later, the Kingpin to try to have a Norman Osborne killed. So um, the only... The, <clears throat> Now, if you were buying this thinking that it was actually a comic adaption of the AMC uh, series <laughs> starring John Hamm and George's girlfriend, Christina Hendricks, uh, you were sadly mistaken. But that would, <laughs> a, a comic adaption of that would have been better and more interesting than this. So. Wow. Was it a good month for the crawl space to come online? Well, any month was a good space month for all space to come online. I mean, yeah. in fact, in fact, all the months prior were bad months because the crawl space didn't exist. So, oh, uh, sweet. But, but this was George Z. This was <laughs> <laughs> ask Howard. I'm sure he no. God, well, no, he wouldn't know, would he? Um, <laughs> so I forgot. So Howard didn't know who Joey Z was. J. M. DeMathis didn't know who Jack O' Lantern was, and Terry Cavanaugh didn't know who Facade was. So I don't know. You know, it, it was it was a pretty mediocre month. There was there was there was one highlight: the Goblins at the Gate story. Uh, the rest of it was typical mid to late '90s Spider-Man crap. You know, this was my childhood, Jr. <laughs> you just ruined Zach's childhood, Jr. That was Jr. That was epic. That was the best this month. <laughs> History of all time. And it happened to come on a fifth anniversary show. My goodness. Give him more Mackie. You, uh, uh, more Mackie stories to talk about. Bravo to JR for that. It wasn't awesome. so much Mackie. It was just the 90s. I mean, you can't laugh. I mean, you can't talk about some of these stories without laughing. No doubt. <laughs> but, 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 kind of, but then again, isn't that what, uh, what uh, Josh and, uh, and Don and uh, John do every month to uh, Stan and Steve's classic stories? They just sit there and make fun of horrid, horrid fun of them? So. Yeah. Well, there's some good and there's always bad, so what you going to do? Of course, we all love those stories. That's why we can make fun of them. These, these stories are just laughable because that's, you know, they're so bad. Exactly. Laughable. So. All right. That's the crap we've been on. the. I knew we had to have one. There it is, Zach. Uh <laughs> Zach Final Vincent. thoughts on the fifth anniversary, thirteenth anniversary of the site. Zach, last thoughts. Last thoughts, up. man. Um, I am so so happy and honored that you've had me on this show from the beginning, and um, the fact that I've been a part of this site for almost eight years now um, is also humbling too. And uh, the fact that you give me a forum to voice my opinions about Spider-Man, it's just an extreme honor. And it's, it, I've met some great and fantastic people through this through this podcast. In fact, the only I, – I mean, I, I haven't met you, Brad, technically, or J.R. or George, uh, but I really do hope to meet you guys one day. And, and uh, Let's read some Howard Mackey together. Let, yeah, let's, 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 <laughs> let's share some Howard Mackey love. For Tony, final thoughts, sir? We're uh, half as old as Spencer, but uh, Crawl Space <laughs> has had a good five years, and the five years that this you know, site has been around, it's um, it's been recommended by Marvel. You know, it's had, it had a write-up in Wizard, did it not? Back in 98 or 99 or yeah. something like that. I mean, what other site goes from being recommended by Marvel to being banned by Marvel? I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's pretty cool right there, you know. And you know, there are certain people who like to, you know, try and downplay the site's importance. But, I mean, gosh, you've had, you know, people like, you know, Peter David, Tom DeFalco, Joe Casada, Dan Slott, you know, like all these people, you know, have come on the podcast, you know, and Stan Lee, you know, people who remember you and remember their time on the site. And, you know, there's the haters out there, but they can't downplay what the crawl space has done. 
John. I mean, there's I can think of two podcast interviews right now where, you know, as a result of the interviews, the writers have, you know, changed what they were going to do in certain books, you know, and made stories based on that stuff. So it's it, it's a damn good site, and you should be very, very proud of it. And Thank uh, you, the sir. five years. Well, well I, I, I know the uh, – well, the five years for the podcast, 13 for the site. But what, I know the Peter David, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. What was the other one? Um, suppose Van Lente uh, deciding to do Black Cat, how she got her bad luck powers back. Oh, got it. Uh, I remember that uh, one too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Stella, final thoughts on the anniversary show. Yeah, five years. I guess now is the time to render my resignation. Um, and Josh is gonna fill in as the new the new Stella. Uh, no, but what? Laden. Oh dear, Laden. Um, no, it's been great. I've always been very thankful that you you took a chance, took a chance, took a chance on me. And, oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. And uh, you know you've put up with my literature and uh, the duckies and everything, so it's great. I, I hope it lasts for a very long time. Yeah, George. Final thoughts. I got gas. Wow. So. <laughs> you know we didn't really do any introspective on the uh, five years. We're doing it now, sir. No, no. no. Congratulations, Brad. Do you ever? Um, you know, I asked Bailey something like this one time. I was like, "How many hours do you figure that you've actually sunk into editing and?" and recording and all that other stuff. And, and what would you do if, if you had that time back? Just, God, it's got to be days and weeks. It would be. I don't know. Just all down the drain. You'll never see all that time again. Well, I mean, we got, what, hour-long podcasts, and we've had, what, hundred, almost 150 hours. So that's, uh-huh. I mean, that's... Double that for editing and yep. and all the hours spent updating the front page. Yeah, well, that's wow. a group effort now. What, what could I do? I could I could have had another second job. You could have done it. You could have. There's another Brad Douglas out there in like Ultimate Universe who started a Hulk website instead. Yeah, and and, and he's uh, he's uh, from Calcutta, and uh, his mom is um, is a lesbian Jewish gal. Wow. And uh, he likes the boy next door, and uh, you know, that's the Ultimate. And universe, Mel Carnahan so. is still alive. Yeah. Oh wow. JR holds on to that Mel Carnahan thing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you voted for a dead guy. I know our, my state did. My God. <laughs> oh. All right. It was, else, the it was to show me. It was to show me. Thank you for filling on such short notice, by the way. Oh, no problem. Yeah, that was, was awesome. uh, too, that was crazy. Too, Josh. Yeah. yeah, no, this was fun. Proud All right, part. JR, final thoughts on five years and 13 years. Well, I was just going to end with another "Who is Joey Z?" But I, fi- I, I guess I see that we're all kissing up to you right now. So um, <laughs> yeah, keep that going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed enjoyed it. Um, I, um, you know, uh, I, it's um, if I ever get back to writing Spidey Kicks, but again, it'll partially be because I've enjoyed doing this so much. Uh, because uh, in a in a, in a way that uh, George and um, and Alex Hamby actually helped prolong Spidey's kicks butt's life for years there with Hero Ramp. Crawlspace has kind of done it uh, this time around. But I've enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that you asked me to be part of this podcast. Uh, it's probably the, one of the things that's keeping me collecting Spider-Man. I, I think you've got a great group here. You know, we uh, we actually seem to enjoy each other's company. Uh, 
No doubt. And I, I guess that might change if we ever met each other. But uh, I mean, for the, <laughs> but for the moment, we can persist in the, the delusion that we would like each other. Um, you know, I'm still going to write slash fic now between you and Brad. <laughs> Shippers! Shippers! Gotta have hair, though, because I don't like my men bald, I tell you. Oh, I'm sad. Anyway, it was like, yeah, I like listening to my wife talk about how sexy Patrick Stewart is, and I'm thinking, he has no hair, and he's as old as. Uh, anyway, anyway. Make it so, JR, make it so. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it. Oh. I, I, I enjoy being on the podcast, and uh, and it is a very good podcast because you, you know obviously the the professional background you bring uh, helps keep things going, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Thanks for all the memories. All right, that was a good show, gang. All right, Brad, I'm ready for the show. Oh, holy crap, Bailey, you missed a whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've been on the line for five hours. What are you doing here? Literally. I thought we were getting together at seven. I, I, I after I got off work, I thought you all had changed your schedules for me because I'm so awesome. You missed the Swedish dude, the guy from Africa, Miles Morales conversation. Jr. hates. I mean, George hates that I can't remember shit. Uh. <laughs> you also you also get me going on a rant over the Spider-Man trailer and. Yeah, Spidey, Spidey kicks dudes butt. Got dot com. Yes, yes, that actually happened. <clears throat> My wife hated the Spider-Man trailer, by the way. Wow. Sweet. She, uh, she, she thinks Peter Parker is too skinny. True. And he's 30. How long and, is his uh, neck? Two feet? Has anyone measured? <laughs> and apparently the, uh, the ending part made her motion sick. Yeah. Like, Bailey, at the beginning of the call-in show, we had four or five people ask for you. I feel so bad now, but... But that, that didn't here. stop George from answering the questions. <laughs> oh, God. I he outed does, you on one of them. He does... <laughs> he he, he um, did a hell of a Bailey, and you'll have to listen <laughs> to the show to hear it. I'm not very afraid. <laughs> My Bailey sucks. No, it, your Bailey was good. He He talked about how his wife is hitting on him a lot. Well, she does tend to do that while I'm on the while I'm on doing podcasts. So. <laughs> well, gang, I've like had you on for a long time, so that's going to be a wrap. What do you think? I think I need a shower. It's been two days. Too. It's been like two days on the show. <laughs> I, can, I can go another four uh, four or five days. I'm good for this week, Brad. What do you need? Good lord! <laughs> Thank you all again for five years, uh, thirteen years of the site. It's been awesome. You guys are like best friends. Aww. Aww. That, that makes me cry. Somebody kill me, please. Wait, hang on, hang on. Hang on, since we got Brad on here. Okay, if yes, that's sir. true, if that's true, then this yeah. is the ultimate test. Everybody on the phone now and then Kevin at the end. Who are we Muppets wise? Oh, good. Who is who on the Muppet scale? Go. Who is who on the Muppet scale? Zach is Beaker. <laughs> Uh, Jr. is oh, this one's easy, man. Eagle. This one's very easy. Jr. is Sam the Eagle. You think? Yeah. I'm yes. Jr. Yeah. Okay. George, you are animal. Okay, I can see. Uh, Josh is oh man, who could Josh be? He could be Scooter. He could be Scooter. He's always working really hard. All right. I like that. 
Uh, Stella, well, there's only two chicks in the Muppet universe. There's, there's Janice or Miss Piggy. And if you say someone's Miss Piggy, they're fat, so I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's Janice. <laughs> okay, she's Janice. She's the cool chick that plays guitar. There you go. <laughs> like, really? Like, really? Like, I'm not taking my clothes off for anybody. Remember that? Remember that line? Yeah. Yeah, it's Howard's turn. And Mr. Bailey would be... Um... Ah, you're kind of cuddly. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! And I guess am I, fo- I guess I'm Fozzie, maybe. Waka waka Brad. waka. Bailey's gonna go to bed and with that. Oh yeah, you're Ralph. You're totally Ralph, dude. You're Ralph. Bailey's gonna go to bed tonight, and that's gonna be going through the set the entire time. Bailey is kind of cuddly. I'm yeah. cuddly. <laughs> Brad thinks I'm cuddly. Shippers. <laughs> Why? And then in the background, there's going to be the haunting refrain of George singing Candy Shop. Take me to the candy shop. I left you at the lolly shop. Go ahead, girl, don't you stop. Keep going to the end. Candy shop. Take me to the lolly shop. And that wraps up our last show for August. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices this month is on the Deadly Foes of Spider-Man trade paperback. This one collects too many series from the 1990s. The first one was obviously called Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. It also had a sequel called The Lethal Foes of Spider-Man. It's a fun romp, and it clocks in at 208 pages. The cover price, 25 bucks. Mail order has it for just $15.49, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. We'll be back in September with our yearly edition of Spider Jeopardy with Bertoni. So that'll be fun. For the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas. JR, is it vanilla cake or or what is the uh, what, what flavor of cake is it? Uh, it's vanilla. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so stuff. good. Oh my god. Yeah, I think it's buttercream frosting or something like that. Oh so, yeah. Man, I, I got an image in my head now of like Jr. with like just frosting all over his face and cake all up on on his chin and mouth, like he's really getting into it. You know, like like he was just you know like he's becoming one with the cake. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, there's like blue frosting all along the sides, and, uh, you know, it turns your tongue and, ma- and lips blue. So, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs>